This podcast is brought to you by the UCL Institute of Orthopaedics and Musculoskeletal Science. In your opinion, what are the current challenges in musculoskeletal tumours? The main one really is early, early referral, early diagnosis. Despite the fact that I've been in um, clinical practice now for 20 years at the RNOH, and when we started we used to see 40 odd tumours a year, and now it's over 3,000, there is still a delay in referral and diagnosis. So we're still seeing tumours that are large. Uh, the other big challenge I think is to improve survivorship, uh, and that a lot of that, especially if the tumours such as osteosarcoma and Ewing's, means that we've got to get our chemotherapy regimens even better than they are at present, come up with new innovative solutions, agents to try and improve the survivorship. You have suggested that the development of specialist orthopaedic units will improve patient care and outcomes. Opponents, however, feel that this will merely lead to the closure of their local orthopaedic unit and will ultimately lead to longer waiting lists and travelling times. How would you reassure them? The report getting it right first time tries to answer the question on how we're going to manage the huge avalanche of orthopaedics that is coming down the track to us as a, uh, as a professional body. The population is ageing, people's joints are wearing out, and you only have to look at the National Joint Registry that in 2003 reported 47,000 knee replacements, and in 2010 about 179,000. Revision hip and revision knee replacements are increasing. In the last five years, revision knee replacements has increased by over 90% and revision hip by almost 50%. We've therefore got a huge problem coming our way and we need to deal with it. The report sets out a methodology of allowing patients to have their treatment close to the home, but hospitals getting together and forming specialist units. If you look at Leicester, where there are three hospitals in Leicester, the General, the, inf the Infirmary and Glenfield, what the surgeons have done there is coalesce onto one site. So they now have 33 surgeons, seven operating theatres, and three ring-fenced orthopaedic wards. Allows better training, education, allows better throughput, reduces complications, and you've got the critical mass of 33 orthopaedic surgeons able to continue to deliver care close to patients' home, but able to work together in an MDT setting to provide the best possible care for patients and achieve the best outcomes. So some subspecialties, such as bone sarcomas, scoliosis, everybody understands that not everybody's going to do those, and patients do travel. But the evidence from those is that patients do better. They have better outcomes, reduce complications, and people accept that they may have to, to travel some distance to, to access that service. But for the major orthopedics, I have no interest in doing that. But what we've got to do is we've got to work much more closer together. We've got to work in units. We can discuss patients and achieve the best outcomes. What we'll do by having specialist units is we will quality assure them, looking at their infection rates, their readmission rates, their complication rates, etc. That, I see, is a way of protecting the NHS and making sure that all NHS units provide an excellent robust outcome for patients. And just think how that will actually improve our relationship with our patients. When patients know they're going to a unit that has been quality assured, will produce the highest standards and also with the lowest complications, improve their confidence in what we do. If we could reduce the infection rate for total hip and total knee replacement, 
just to 0.2%, which is not unachievable, and some hospitals in this country do that, you would save the NHS every year between 200 and 300 million pounds. That would allow you to do between an extra 40 and 60,000 joint replacements at no extra cost. The BOA would like to see one orthopaedic consultant per 15,000 of the population. How are we to achieve this at a time when the NHS is expected to reach savings of £20 billion by 2015? I think it's going to be very difficult. And I think that what we've got to do, and the purpose of writing the report was we've got to work smarter. We've got to be more efficient. You can look at the, the orthopaedic community at large in that the efficiency has already improved by over 300% over the last five years. So we're getting there and we're doing our bit. What we've got to demonstrate is that we've got an elderly population, increasing demand, and got to keep knocking on the door about delivering a consultant service for our patients to improve outcomes. So although we still want to see one consultant for 15,000 population, with the, in the times of financial austerity, I think it's gonna be very difficult. However, if I was a young doctor, would I still go to orthopedics? Without a shadow of a doubt. It's a great, discipline, it's a great specialty, great variety, and there's no magic bullet for arthritis. And patients are still going to need the help of orthopedic surgeons to allow them to lead high quality, pain-free existence, especially as they get older, and there is going to be a need for us. So although it's a difficult time at the moment, and we've got to weather the storm, orthopedics is going to be a very big issue. It's going to be very high on the health agenda, and we've got to do our bit to provide the best care we can for patients. Congratulations on your appointment as BOA President-Elect. What's your vision on the role and direction of the BOA in the next five years? The BOA, I think, has changed massively over the last three, four years. And the previous presidents, including PDK and Joe Dallas, have done a huge amount. The BOA is focusing on three areas. Research, Gerald just pointed a chair of the research committee, Andy Carr, who I know very well, we're very focused on education, and I'm chair of the education board. We've got an education strategy. We're linking in with medical students, junior doctors, trainees, consultants. Then we want to link in with AHPs and nurses, and also physiotherapists, and very importantly, build up a very good relationship with GPs to try and streamline the service from primary to secondary care. We've got a strategy for how we're going to deliver orthopaedics. We've got the report, Getting It Right First Time. We've also got the report that the BOA has developed called Restoring Mobility. It looks at high value pathways, how we're going to provide with the provision of care using the Getting It Right First Time principles, and then how we're going to manage our patients to provide them timely care at the right time. What we've got to use is we've got to use all the evidence that we have available to make sure that we provide best care for patients. And already, about CE marking and prostheses across Europe. The BOA has been right at the forefront of that with the Beyond Compliance with P2K, which is a methodology for introducing new implants, new devices into the marketplace at the right time, in the right place, to get the right information on whether that's going to improve care for patients. And we've all got to be part of that. So I think the BOA is very forward thinking. I think it has changed very much over the last five years. It knows where it wants to go. It knows the importance of delivering high quality of care. It is to the BOA and to the membership. And I think the orthopaedics is safe in the hands of the BOA. And I hope members feel that and will support it because it is their professional body and it is all about making sure we deliver the right care for patients.
Thank you, Professor Briggs. This will prove very valuable to our listeners. This podcast is brought to you by the UCL Institute of Orthopaedics and Musculoskeletal Science.